Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Thank you all for choosing to be with us on this very special holiday weekend here at Unity of Fairfax. That final line, do you believe it? Truth shall make us free today. Really makes us wonder, what is truth and what is freedom? Those are the questions that we contend with as we look as a nation at our 240th seventh anniversary, birthday of the United States of America. And as we look at ourselves as individuals, as true students, what is truth and what is freedom? Well, the truth as we teach it in unity is that the truth of the universe is that wherever we are, God is. And our first unity principle is the nature of God is altogether good all the time. Second principle, each one of us is an individualized expression of that truth that God is. And so our work is to recognize that truth in ourselves, our inherent goodness. That is always there. We teach in unity the concept of original blessing, each and every one of us born out of the goodness that God is. And that means everyone, even the folks who hide that really well, or that we choose not to believe that about. It's still there. And so we use our principles to help us be self-aware and to understand our inherent goodness. We want to use the teachings that we have to help us have full and productive and rich lives and to choose to know our worth and dignity and value regardless of whether or not anyone else or any court has a different opinion about that. And we still are called to love. We still are called to hold the high watch and not surrender our self-respect and not allow ourselves to be dragged into murkiness of dubious behavior and thoughts. We say in the, Constitu in the Declaration of Independence, it's written there, writ large, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, we believe that to be people, are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among them are the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We could look at that as a theological construct as well, that we are created by our creator to have life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, to be happy. And yet, if you have skin on and if you know people who do, chances are you've had the opportunity to engage with people, and sometimes it's not been really rewarding. Sometimes we've all been let down by people in our immediate circle or people who are decision makers. And then we are faced with a question. Do we choose to stay stuck in our disappointment, in our resentment, in our anger, or do we choose something else? You know, we sometimes get into our heads this notion that, that we are all going to live happily ever after. But I once heard a speaker say, that's not the best way to put that. 
The choice that we have as individuals is to live happily even after. Because to choose to live happily even after means we accept the facts that happened, even the ones that we caused out of ignorance or anger or fear. We accept the facts that other people did and things that happened, things they said. But we make a decision to rise above. We make a decision to honor our capacity to accept and then overcome. We shall overcome someday. And that day really is today. When we realize that we have one, that we have a connection with the infinite power that we call God. That there is a limitless number of divine ideas that any one of us can activate and utilize to triumph over any situation in our lives, whether that's a judicial decision, whether it's a financial impact, whether it's the loss of a loved one unexpectedly, whether it's a health concern. There is no shortage of divine ideas. There is no shortage of good because there is no shortage of God. So in unity, we come together in community to practice. We come together in community to honor each and every one of our lives, whatever's going on, to say to one another, I see you. I see you in your joy, like Amy, for instance, celebrating her fifth anniversary at Unity of Fairfax yesterday. Five years, wow. And, and Tony Rogers, our operations assistant, also had a fifth anniversary yesterday. And we come together to support Nathan and Deanna. Um, Nathan lost his brother Mickey at the age of 32 last month under tragic circumstances. We see you. We feel you. I mention this in the context of community because that's what we have in faith community. Community. We see one another, our joys, our triumphs, our challenges. And we know the truth for one another. The truth that says the next five years, Amy, is going to be even better. And the truth that says spirit will comfort you. And we will be the hands of spirit in this time of transition. Because we've all been there. We know what it's like to lose someone dear, to lose something dear, to lose a home. So in community, we come together to know the truth. And that truth is that each and every one of us has the capacity to transcend the difficulties of our lives. We can get that online, and that's why we do what we do, for those of you watching at home. And we can do that in person with a handshake, a namaste, and even a hug. Community is priceless. And one of the things that's interesting for us to know is that in this era when we have so much more technology, I have a pile of it right here and there and there and all over the place, is that loneliness is now an epidemic. And when we are lonely, we feel separated and isolated, and it is harder to connect 
with that truth. It's harder to connect with spirit. It's easier to do when we come together and can affirm for one another. I see you. I hear you. Let's talk it over. Now, this is very different from being alone. Being alone is necessary and important. Community is important. That's why we do what we do in faith communities around the world. And yet there is a challenge in that the numbers of participation is falling consistently. I was just at the Unity Worldwide Ministries annual convention in Kansas City last week. And if we heard it once, we heard it a thousand times for any number of reasons. And quite possibly the biggest is that the worst of church, the worst of faith community is what we see in the news. Whether it's one denomination refusing to ordain women, another one paying out billions of dollars in sex abuse claims. That's what makes the news. But what does not make the news is the understanding that we come together from the truth for valuable and priceless existence. Affirm in unity is that we are all beautiful and valuable and priceless exactly as we are right now. That's rich. We come together to engage in projects in the world that make sure people have food and clothing and shelter. We come together as a community to ensure that our systems reduce the number of people who are in poverty and feeling alone and lost in second class. I've gotten way off topic from my notes, so I'm going to see what I had planned to say. <laughs> Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, said this definition of freedom. It is the quality or state of being without thought of restraint, bondage, limitation, or repression, having a sense of complete well-being. It is the result of regulating one's life according to principle, not according to what anyone else may think or say. Amen. But let's th face it, that what people do say is of enormous import in our minds some of the judgments that people make. We used to teach children that old line, and maybe we still, maybe we, as in you, because I don't have children, maybe you teach the children that little limerick, sticks and stones may hurt my, break my bones, but words will never harm me. <laughs> yeah, that's not true, is it? Because we can remember those words and replay those words. Being free means knowing the truth that I am not limited by what somebody else says about me. I am not a less than or a second class person. I was thinking about Supreme Court decisions recently, as I'm sure maybe you have as well, whether it's decisions to remove women's rights to choose whether decisions to make it legal to discriminate, again, against the LGBT community. I was thinking about the Dred Scott decision of 1857 that said that people of color, enslaved people, weren't U.S. citizens, so they weren't entitled to a place in court, or the 1898 decision of Plessy versus Ferguson that said separate but equal really wasn't good enough. The 1944 Kometsu versus United States government that said, yes, it was legal to inter law-abiding citizens in internment camps. Progress in the American experiment 
is progress. It's not a straight line. And it reminds me about the way in which it is that each and every one of us comes to understand the truth and the fullness about ourselves. Sometimes as individuals, we get embedded ideas about ourselves, and it takes a while to ferret them out. How many women have internalized some measure of misogyny? I can't do X because I'm a woman. I can't do Y. Or how many of us who are gay and lesbian have internalized some sort of homophobia? I can't say this. I can't do that because of. Or what about people who have some manner of a physical impairment? I can't do this. I can't do that. And yet truth is, yes, you can. Truth is, you are vital to the creation of the universe as you are. I some, anybody here watch American Ninja Warrior? Is this, it's kind of, okay, me and Carol and I. All right, and, and Anthony, so at least two of three of us. They had a contestant on. You know, they have to do this weird obstacle course and, you know, get a buzzer and that sort of thing. An individual is on who had uh, lost part of his leg from the knee down. I think it was the knee down. So they had to run across logs and rope things and that sort of thing. And I'm looking at this guy who was a little older than most of the other contestants. Think, how in the world is he going to do this? Because you see all these peak athletes, you know, it's like Olympian level. And he knew the truth about himself. He said, even if I don't have part of my leg, I'm not going to let it stop me. And he had a ferocious run and fell down on the logs and was hanging down on for dear life. And I don't know how he did it, but he got onto the next obstacle. He, he made the entire course. And I thought, wow, how does that happen? Because he chose to believe about himself the truth. I am not limited. I am an individualized expression of the creative power, the magnificence. That's freedom. That's freedom. Because there are a lot of people who said, oh, my God, there's no way he can do this. He's going to embarrass himself. That's freedom to know that he could do it. There is a line in the book of Galatians, which is referred to as the Christian Magna Carta. This was written by Paul to a, a, a church in the original, in the um, early years of the, the Jesus movement. really wasn't a church yet. It was just the Jesus movement within Judaism. Powerful line. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, you can look at this in two ways. There's the external form of being literally enslaved. But there's the internal form of being a yoke to a slavery to an idea. And that idea generally is I am limited and less than. When we talk about this term Christ in unity, we're not necessarily referencing Jesus, although that can be an interpretation, but we're representing the divine idea of spirit within, of the truth of who we are. And when we recognize and choose to take the risk to believe that we are an individualized expression of God, then we can choose to realize and access 
all the divine ideas, the divine powers that we have to overcome, whether it's running an obstacle course with um, one artificial leg, or whether that's being the first person who looks like you or comes from where you come from to do the amazing thing that you're called to do. It is risky, though, because if you choose to believe that you are an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of the universe, then that means you are needing to let go and step out into the strange new world to boldly go where no man has gone before. Oh, it's something else. I'm Star Trek. I was <laughs> channeling. And to be willing to make mistakes. You know, that's, I think, part of the problem why we choose to stay in this sort of condition of limitation. Because if I stay within the confines of what I know, then I can make mistakes in that confine, in that circle, because that's how I see myself and that's how the world sees me. And if I step out of that, then who am I to, to be so bold to try something so new? I might make a mistake and every finger will point and say, see, I told you so. I knew you couldn't do it. People like you don't do X, Y, or Z. But the reality is that when we fall, if we learn something, pick ourselves back up, then we're growing. Then we are setting the course for success, for peace of mind, so that we might live happily even after. So that that pathway of truth and freedom and life becomes a lived reality because I'm no longer constrained to what came before. And that is a hard, hard pathway to go. It is the narrow gate that Jesus talked about. But if we want to, to break free, if we want to experience true freedom, we have to experience true freedom. We have to go out and take a risk. You know, if you think about the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, I'm going to give a paraphrase. Two sons, rich father, son number one said, I want my inheritance now, and he went off and he squandered it. Things did not go so well. One son stayed there. Then he realized the son who'd run off I guess I'll try to go back to dad and see if, oh, Lord, see if I get some food. I'm starving here. and They're making me eat with the pigs. And when he goes back, his father welcomes him with open arms. He went out and he made mistakes. The metaphor for us is that even if we, when we go out to prove ourselves and discover the world. If we fall down and make mistakes, there is a love, a power called love that is another name for God that says you will always be loved and there's always a way back. Not back, but to, to return awakened for having gone out and made mistakes. He learned. I would love to dialogue with the family, especially the prodigal son who ran off and said, what was that like for you? How did you grow? What did you come to understand about grace and goodness as a result of all the awful things you put yourself through because of your impatience? I bet there would be a rich storytelling that said, I learned that even if I screw up royally, I am still loved. I am still valued. And I would hope he would look to whoever he was talking to and said, so are you. So go try the thing. You might be very successful. 
who knows, maybe when he was out having that experience of falling flat on his face, he may have seen and witnessed people who tempted to do what he wanted to do and were successful. That's rich. And the brother who stayed at home, who was lamenting that, oh my goodness, dad still loves you after you did that. I would hope that he would learn, and dad still loves you too. That was your path. We all have a different path to choose and move in our life. But let us always remember we are free to make a new decision at every moment in time and space. Case in point. As an undergrad, I went out of state to go to school. That was great. It was expensive. Uh, Paid it off 11 years later. And then I got a job, 1,000 miles from home. And there I am working my very low-paying job because it was the one I got (laughs) after school. And I was feeling lost and depressed and alone and sad and all of those things, what happens when you sometimes feel yourself in that prodigal son role. Because I'd run off and I'm just running up debts and that sort of thing. And I remember calling home to my parents who are watching and I was lamenting and bemoaning my fate. Oh, life is so hard. And my mother in her infinite wisdom said, well, son, We never said you couldn't move to North Carolina, meaning I was free to make my decisions. I was free to make my choices, and I did, and I learned. I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things I would probably never have learned. Found the love of my life sitting there in the back, so it was worth it. But I had to take the truth, take the risk. And it was in that time when I was out there and alone and lost, a friend of mine said, come to Unity. And I walked in, November 5th, 1989. I found my tribe. I found my people who heard my story and saw me in my joys, in my sorrows, in my triumph. Community helped me to stay free. Community helped me to know that wherever I am, God is. Community supported me when I was called to ministry to make a change from international container shipping, lovely as that is. (laughs) I got some neat experiences out of it. Different talk for a different day. It was community that allowed me to grow into who I was called to be. So on this weekend, when we are thinking about our nation and all the things it does right and well in an amazing way, I mean, I'm a proud patriot. We are also thinking about the ways in which it's challenged, in which the American experiment is still working itself out. But the one thing I will say is we are all here in this together, that when we use our principles of truth, we will find ways together to continue to move forward, to make new decisions, to 
continue to create a world where that someday of freedom is every day without question. And it begins with us as individuals choosing to be free right here and right here. Choosing to love whoever shows up. Choosing to carry that love out into the world. There is a final part of this letter from Galatians I, I want to share with you. And it is a call to responsibility. And Paul says this, For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. However, if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. It would seem there's a lot of biting going on. We don't have to be a part of that. We can continue to hold the high watch, continue to hold the greater vision, and continue to work for equal justice under law, to work so that no child ever goes hungry again, so that everyone has safe drinking water. And that's not just this country. This calling is universal. Each of us in our own way can somehow be a part of ensuring that every man, woman, and child on this planet knows they're seen, knows that they are loved, knows that they have a friend. And then we extend that to the planet herself so that all will be safe. And that consciousness of peace on earth, goodwill towards all, doesn't have to be affirmed because it is known and lived. That makes us global community. And that makes us all free. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.